Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, are joining your uh, commute, your office, your walk, wherever it is that you are today on this glorious uh, Monday morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, And we're in the middle of March Madness. Obviously, we can, you know, kind of touch on that if we want. Michigan State's been out of it for a while. Michigan will tip off here in a couple hours. So um, we're all Seminoles fans today. But man, it, it feels good, Scott. We have like real Michigan State football stuff to talk about. I, I, I can blabble on about the the college basketball tournament or, or the NBA or whatever. But for the first time in a long time, I don't have to. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, we're back. Uh, the kids are in pads. Everything feels a little bit back to normal. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm tired, Kevin, because the NCAA hates us all now and apparently decided that all their old scheduling tactics went out the door. I was up late watching who was playing last night? I don't even remember. Houston, Whatever the late Houston game was. was, the late game. We got a late one tonight. We got a late one Monday. We got a late one Tuesday. I don't know what NCAA exec is living on the West Coast now, but we're all suffering because of it. But in any it's event, insane. like you said, we got football. Uh, before we get to football, quick bracket update while we're talking basketball. The Standing Room Spartans, again, thank you if you're one of the 23 people who joined it. Um, having some fun here. Got, got one person running away anthony garvert if you're listening you're doing well um the real shardy is the name of the bracket so yay um yeah no we still got a good competition up at the top uh we got a, a baylor guy will jones sitting there could steal the title if they do well um keep plugging away again the prize for that if you do win is you get to come on here do a mailbag with us if you don't want to do that because you know you don't like us whatever the reasoning is um, you can decide what we talk about for an entire episode um, within reason. So, yeah, just look at, I'm looking at it now. Anthony Carvert, he, he's in the 100th percentile of ESPN brackets. So, yeah, shout out. I guess uh, everybody else who's doing well, uh, Big Blue Tater Tot, Will Jones win. Uh, you got some good good stuff out here, like eight high 80s, 90th percentile. That, that'll that get you a bracket challenge from time to time. But 
yeah, when you got a, uh, uh, somebody running away with it to that level, uh, it's, it's hard to compete. Yeah. So we may be joined by Anthony or we may have an upset. Um, we'll see, obviously by the time we're talking here, we'll be through the sun or they're listening here. We'll be through the Sunday games and, uh, we'll go even further. So continuing to have fun. I am still enjoying as much as I can, not having MSU in it, finding the silver lining there. It has been nice to watch unbiasedly. Today's a little bit of bias. You mentioned we're all Seminole fans today. So I actually have Florida state in my final four as well. So I got a couple of reasons to, to pull for them, but we'll see what, uh, what happens here. Yeah. I've been rolling with uh, a lot of money, money line underdogs this weekend. Uh, It's been, very nice at times. I got Oregon State at nice value, but very, very tough at times with Oral Roberts. Inch, not even inches, like an oh. inch away from stealing that game against Arkansas. That that looked good off his hand. It looked good in the air and just barely rimmed out. So Oral Roberts, the 15 seed, uh, just didn't quite get it done for me. But other than that, um, it's been a good weekend for me financially. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, no, it's a fun time of year. Um, but like I said, we, we are finally in a position where we don't have to waste time talking about that. And it's fantastic. We have a ton of stuff going on around the program. Spring football's kicked off. The, the pads are on already and it feels, it feels good to wake up, scroll the Twitter timeline and you have, you know, some video tweets, you have some stuff, some promos, around Michigan state in the program. And one of those that we'll, we'll get to, I guess, to, to lay it out, we're going to talk about the spring roster that came out uh, early last week. And we have some thoughts about some of the guys that are listed or are not listed uh, as well as some, some height weight numbers that came out, some number changes. We'll talk about uh, the pro day was uh, over the, the course of this week as well. Um, I'll hit on that really quickly because it wasn't pretty. And uh, one of the news here was that uh, that I noticed that Corey Robinson sent out a tweet that there's going to be a couple guys who are visiting campus. I know uh, the younger Van Summeren was one of them that he's going to be visiting in June. I, as far as we know, right, that means that uh, campus visits are going to be open for as soon as a couple months away here, like we're recording at the very end of March. So a couple months away from, from in-school visits and Mel Tucker finally after over a calendar year since he's been hired to have an in-person visit with a recruit. And that's just a crazy thing to say, but here we are. And he's finally going to get that opportunity. I think he's going to knock it out of the park. He's, he's got the charisma, the personality that we've talked about. I think the ability to, to really sell the program already has has shown and we'll talk about some of the guys that we landed here over the course of this week but scott this has got me thinking a little bit if you're you're a five you're a five-star recruit and i'm not asking you what school you want to go to that's important here uh, because we're going to assume you know local kid you're going to go play for mel tucker you're going to play in east lansing and you already know you're going to have that visit. You already know you're probably going to go to school there. But again, you're a five-star recruit. You're getting courted around the country. And you think, you know what? I might as well take advantage of this. I got a free flight. I got a nice weekend down in whatever college town it is. Assume that you get to stay for a, a one or two nights. You know, the players are going to show you around to a couple parties. You're going to get, 
the, the tours of the facilities, the whole nine yards. I'm not asking you where you'd commit to play, but where would be the one school that you're like, I, I'm definitely going to take a visit there. Well, in this context, we're 17, 18 year old high schooler, which um, is important, which is important. Um, Well, somewhere fun. The parties are relevant here. Um, I mean, a few that just buzzed through my head, Arizona state, USC, Arizona state, I'll tell you is my runaway. I, I'm (laughs) like, I would call Herm Edwards and be like, Hey coach, I know you haven't offered me or anything, but I just want to let you know, I want to come visit you. (laughs) I would be, because they, every single dorm has like a a swimming pool outside. They have, I mean, it's a legendary party school. We know that the weather is beautiful. The women are beautiful. Like it's, that would be number one and it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, there's others. I, I, that's on the short list for me. Um, Florida Gulf coast is up there. Their campus is literally on the beach. Um, Miami, that has to be up there. Florida Gulf Coast would raise some eyebrows in the NCAA. I think if you had a five-star kid who who took an official visit, <laughs> I'm sure there would be some questions into the program. Yeah, no, I mean, I not afraid you might get to some uh, people in trouble <laughs> to ruffle some feathers, but uh, yeah, no, I I think Arizona State's definitely up there. USC would be a lot of fun. Go out to LA. Uh, coming from the Midwest, obviously, I'd probably pick somewhere warm and, and fun like that. But uh, yeah, Arizona State, especially if I kind of was leaning a different direction already, like you said, if we're going to Michigan State um, and we're just looking for like a good change of pace, you know, a good weekend. Yeah, that's uh, it's probably top of the list. Yeah, that that just had me thinking that, yeah, Arizona State would be the runaway for me. But yeah, Michigan State, we will have people on campus meeting the coaching staff, meeting the players, touring the facilities, the whole nine yards in just a couple months here, which uh, will give Mel Tucker a chance to really get some of his guys in and, and build those relationships that are so important in the recruiting game nowadays. And speaking of that, we did land a recruit over the course of this week and a transfer from Minnesota. So we'll lump those here together. I'll Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. We have Itavian Tank Brown transferring in outside linebacker from Minnesota. And we have Malik Spencer, a 2022 commitment to the recruiting class, uh, both of which have uh, pretty impressive offer sheets. I don't know if the, if uh, what's the direction you want to take this conversation about bringing in these two seemingly talented kids. Well, it's exciting. First of all, it's always exciting to get guys. I mean, some having a guy in your program named Tank Brown at linebacker, uh, there's potential in the name. If nothing else, he's got potential just because of his name. Um, Itavian Brown, essentially a freshman, you could say. He, quote-unquote, redshirted at Minnesota last year. I don't think technically he even loses his redshirt eligibility given the COVID situation with scholarships last year, but um, didn't see the field last year. Um but was a four-star guy, almost cracked the top 300. Um, Malik Spencer right around 500 nationally as a safety. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't need know if we need to spend too much time on them. Both guys that uh, have a good physical uh, profile and, and could certainly, you know, start competing for reps over the next couple of years. But uh, a lot to be seen on these guys. Obviously, neither, the, neither of them have college tape. Both of them, as you mentioned, had 
had good offer sheets, a lot of interest from a lot of schools. So uh, good additions. They're in, both of them are in positions where we have some guys coming in around them. We have a lot of safeties in this class. We have, I don't think Malik Spencer was the first safety in the 22 class. Itavian Brown, a linebacker. Obviously we have some young linebackers transferring in and coming in in 21. So they're going to be in, uh, in busy areas in the program as they uh, start to find their place here, but, uh, but they'll have their opportunities. I mentioned, you know, both, have good physical builds. Six uh, two as a safety from Malik Spencer. Tank Brown six four two thirty five. You know has the potential to put on some weight, drop some weight, depending on his role in the program. But uh, yeah, should be useful and, and exciting to see kind of what direction they take once they uh, do get on campus. Yeah, at that size, I would imagine the move would be to bulk up and play a defensive end rather than slimming down a little bit maybe or stay in put and playing linebacker. Again, I we this is a very recent addition to the group. Um, we don't really know exactly what the plans are, but I I would lean towards the defensive end side. I think he was more of a rush linebacker, rush outside linebacker, edge type guy as he was uh, recruited. So I, See, I think that would be probably the move. But again, with we've talked about the lack of depth at our linebacker spot, the lack of quality starters, um, 6'4", 235. I mean, that's it's great size for a linebacker, especially if you're going to be playing only two of them. Uh, you're you're going to need some size there as well as his athleticism. So Yeah, the, the interesting thing with him, I was reading through Alan Trius' write-up from back in his high school days. And he mentions that he, first of all, played receiver as well as outside linebacker. He was listed as 210 back then. Um, But he wrote, tracks the football well in the air and has good ball skills. Changes direction fairly well for a long-legged player. So um, from that single account, sounds like he does, he he would be somewhat comfortable in space. Um, and like you mentioned with our two linebackers, there's not really an inside or an outside or an edge rush distinction all the time. It's kind of a gray area and you got to have real versatile players. So, um, big guy, but if he does have experience and comfort and space like that, he may be a good role for one of those two, um, linebackers actually you know traditional linebackers if you will but we'll see we'll see what direction it takes i'm sure you know mel will have a plan for him uh depending on how the how the cards fall yeah the noteworthy part of malik spencer's commitment from uh is that he is from georgia and it was really a testament to our new defensive back coach Travars tillman uh with his roots in the state of georgia as an nfl player he had a lot to do with this recruitment and that was pretty well documented. And so uh, he's, he's basically making his promotion pay off uh, very quickly. So he loved to see that. And that adds the total. Now we have five commitments to the 2022 class early in this process here as still in the month of March, we have three offensive linemen and one defensive back and one athlete Tyrell Henry from Roseville probably looking like more of a wide receiver than anything else, but listed as an athlete, versatile player can do a little bit of everything. So it's uh, really starting to take shape here. And again, with the the people being able to visit over the summer, I I can imagine we're going to have a lot of action on the recruiting trail. We'll keep you posted with all of that spring 
stuff here. Let, let's make sure we get to that because that's going to be the bulk of our episode. Before I do, I want to give a shout out to all of our platforms here. We're definitely going to do a mailbag segment at least, if not a full episode next week. So if you are not on the social media, you can always send an email to standingroomspartans at gmail.com. Pretty easy to remember. If you are, you can feel free to send us a tweet right now. Send us a DM, uh, DM on Instagram, whatever the case may be. If you have a question in mind that you don't want to forget it, Otherwise, you can wait. We'll probably put out that call on, on Thursday or Friday to make sure we get some questions going into the weekend. Again, follow on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Scott is at Spartan Martin 18. And uh, one thing that I really want to mention because we're finally getting back into it a little bit visit standingroomspartans.com. It's a little bit dry uh, from the last. I would say calendar year. We haven't been doing a whole lot of writing. It's basically just Scott and I. Occasionally, TJ will put something up there. Uh, Marshall has been involved in in more NFL draft type stuff on the website. I don't know if he's really got the time to add something to that this year. But uh, basically, we're going to be adding at least uh, our plan is for every episode that we put out, we're going to have a, an accompanying article, whether it's diving a little bit deeper into one of the topics that we talked about. Maybe it's a broad overview, but we're going to make sure that we have an article kind of attached to it. And uh, I know a lot of you maybe don't have time for a full 45, 50 minute podcast every, every week. Uh, so if you want to uh, skim through the article instead, um, of course, we would rather that you listen to the podcast, get the full context, but we appreciate everybody who would do both. So standingroomspartans.com, we're finally getting some articles back up there. We're getting the writing back going and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we give you some good content across all of our platforms, but we are here. It is spring. Spring football is kicking off and Jaden Reed is apparently the next Charles Rogers. Scott, I want to start <laughs> with that. Um. I look, I, I love the move to number one. I don't know if I love the hype video uh, with, with like splicing in videos of, of him and Charles Rogers, very much drawing comparisons that I don't think they realized while they were doing it. Um. I, like, I, I don't have a problem with him wearing number one. I, I'll start with that. I, I don't think like you have the Michigan uh, number one for the wide receivers. It's, it's a big honor to be number one. Like we don't really have something like that. We don't have that, you know, honorable number that some, it, it's just not really a thing. And, and I, I don't really care either way. If we decide to do something like that, great. If we don't great. The problem is, I, I don't think the video team that put that together, maybe it's because they're all very young. I don't think they realize the, the light that they're drawing on Jaden Reed. Uh, Charles Rogers is arguably the greatest Michigan state football player of all time. You, you can put him right there with Bubba Smith with, if you want to say like Kirk Cousins, just for the things that he did, but he was the number two overall draft pick. And his NFL career didn't pan out for off the field reasons. And the biggest problem with all of this is the elephant in the room. And I, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but 
Charles Rogers passed away. And I think I would be a lot more cool with this and comfortable with this if he was alive to kind of put his stamp of approval on this and say, put out a video or, or we could have the, the, the media team with Charles Rogers at the practice facility and they're dapping each other up and Hey man, like, you, you know, I, I love the way you play. You can, you know, take this number. It's, I, I would love to see all of that. And we're never going to get that opportunity. And that sucks. And, and this isn't to say that like Charles Rogers would tell him no, like, I, I don't think that would be the case. But it does just make me feel really weird as a kid who grew up right in the Charles Rogers era at Michigan State. Those two years were right when I was like a young diehard fan. We were going to all the games and it was his name will always have a really special place in a lot of Michigan State fans heart. But mine, especially just because of the time that he was doing it in the time of my life. Right. I was like eight, nine, ten years old at that time. And so. It just, I don't know. The video didn't really sit well with me. I don't know about you. This, I, I kind of want to get your take on this because we come from a little bit different viewpoints where I've, I've been a season ticket holder, diehard fan my entire life. And we've talked about on the pod, the cat's out of the bag. Uh, <laughs> you haven't been a Michigan State fan your whole life. So that era was not really one that you were too roped into Charles Rogers. Like, as somebody with a little different perspective, what was your take on, on the, the video, on the, the number change itself? Yeah, I, I, I would say I generally share your sentiment, but more muted. I, I don't have the same background. I was a Michigan fan until I um, went to Michigan State or at least decided to go to Michigan State late in high school. So um it was still, I don't want to say it was fully tone deaf. I just think, yeah, they missed an opportunity. I think they missed an opportunity to pay more homage to Charles Rogers. I don't think they necessarily should have avoided the video entirely. I like it as a hype mechanism. I just think they should have... Um, I don't know. A little it's, more brevity would have been appreciated. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's... And at least like acknowledging his passing and I don't know what the right tone or the right way to do that would be. I'm not an expert at football hype videos, but um, they, yeah, I think because they're trying to, it seems build this number one into this like tradition potentially at Michigan state, it, I would have liked to see more direct respect paid to Charles Rogers instead of just throwing some of his highlights in there um, and not really mentioning like what he meant and what happened to him, you know, obviously with his passing, maybe, you know, make it more of a tribute, make, make Jaden Reed wearing this number this year, more of a tribute to Charles Rogers and less of like, he's the next in line. Um yeah. I think him wearing the numbers fine. I think making number one, a tradition in the program is fine. I think it's actually pretty cool. I don't like what Michigan does with like sponsored special numbers. And like, they use like seven different special numbers. I think it's cool to have like one number that's like, you know, like in soccer, it's number 10 or, you know, various, I think 
I think it's Powerade that has a commercial running around like of the, of the special numbers in sports. So I think it's fun to have something like that. It's just a little marketing tool, but um, I also, the, the aspect of this that I don't want to get lost is that this is a ton of pressure to put on Jaden Reed. Like, yeah, <laughs> he had a good year last year and he had a great year at Western Michigan the year before. And he's, he's a good player. Like he's going to be a solid starter. He's a solid big 10 wide receiver, but like, and they also had Musa Muhammad highlights in there. Like Musa Muhammad and Charles Rogers were borderline transcendent wide receivers for Michigan state. And Jaden Reed is arguably our number two receiver. Like, I, I think he is number one just on potential and ceiling and, and ability, but like Jalen Naylor had a better year than him last year, all things considered. And it's, he, he doesn't have like the, the athletic or recruiting or hype profile of like a, a Charles Rogers. So if he's willing to, to, shoulder that pressure then okay but it was it was interesting like I don't necessarily know if his profile and his um, stature is really that what they're trying to make it um, in those comparisons so I mean it is what it is at the end of the day it is it is a marketing mechanism Um, if he has a bad year it's something that we'll probably laugh at if he has a great year it'll be something that maybe it'll stick but I think they lost an opportunity to pay more respect to Rogers. And I think it's, I, I just don't necessarily think the situation calls for this much um, fanfare to be Frank. Yeah. Charles Rogers in two years, 24 games, a 24 game sample size averaged, averaged 117 yards and like 1.2 touchdowns a game. So averaging over a touchdown a game and over 117 yards, like that's just stupid. And Again, number two overall pick. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I didn't really want to spend as much time on it as we already have, but the more I like actually talk about it, the more it it just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. And I think that was as much as we've we've given a ton of credit to our social team over the last calendar year or so that we've been doing this podcast now. Um, I actually, now that I say that out loud, I feel like we're, we're missing a milestone here soon. Uh, I don't know when exactly was the first episode, but anyway, we've given a ton of credit to the social team and rightfully so they've done a killer job since Mel Tucker has started, but this, this was one I, I think they missed. And I just think maybe it was just a case of there's too many young people in the room that didn't really understand it. Uh, but Anyways, uh, let's, let's, I think that's enough about that. Uh, the rest of the spring roster, I think, we'll, we'll get to because there were some interesting numbers that came out. There was some interesting notes. And the first and foremost were, I think, the super senior type deals, the guys that are coming back, the guys who are not coming back. So we'll start there, Scott, with the guys who aren't coming back. Jordan Reed, who started 26 consecutive games at right tackle, before opting out of the 2020 season, had the opportunity to come back, chose not to. Matt Dotson, who we talked about uh, on a recent podcast, we were talking about the recruiting class in 2017, somebody who's just never really turned that corner at tight end. Trey Person, somebody we saw quite a bit of last year. Uh, Mustafa Khalifa, a def- or an offensive lineman who just, he was a perennial breakout candidate who just, never really seemed to to 
break through to a starting lineup or even as like a primary rotational depth player, just, just never really was able to crack the lineup at all. So Lares Nelson is the other one, the wide receiver who has dealt with some injuries, but all in all, I think he finished his career with like 13 catches at MSU depth player could fill in, do his job on a given week, but not somebody that I think you're going to be really upset about leaving. Uh, so We'll start there with those, what's that, five guys who are not coming back. I don't know if you want to call them like departures or or graduates or whatever, but uh, wh- where does your mind go to with those five guys? So there's two players in particular that I think are, are worthy of some extra attention here. Um, I mean, Lares Nelson, Mustafa Khalifa, and to an extent, Matt Dotson are, are guys that, like you said, never really turned various corners in their career, all different levels, but just kind of seemed stagnant. It seemed like they had opportunities to take next steps, just really weren't getting it, if you will. Um, and it is what it is. They each contributed to the program in their own way, and they're moving on. But Trey Person um, is a guy who after last year and going into this coming season, we were looking at like, okay, he was pretty shaky in 2020 at times. Um, Not our best starter. Certainly. I don't even, I think he started six out of seven or five out of seven games last year. Um, But we kind of, we were penciling him in to start. So anytime you lose a starter like that, I mean, it leaves a void in the lineup. And I think that's just, it it continues to open the conversation around our second safety and who, who will it be? Um, And we don't really know. I mean, at this point we have no clue now, no clue. I mean, you've got uh, Dowell. I'd say there's, there's four names, right? There's Michael Dowell. There's Darius Snow, who we've talked about. Emmanuel Flowers has always been a career kind of uh, special teams guy, but maybe he gets a shot. And then I think you have to include Michael Gravely, the incoming freshman, early enrollee. He's already on campus practicing. Maybe he gets a real look at that at that spot. He's listed as a safety on the roster. So I think those would be the four guys if you're asking me right now. Yeah, I think as it stands, Dowell is probably in that spot, just given experience. But I think at the same time, I mean, that's if the if week one was this weekend. But we have spring ball, we have fall camp, we have a lot to get through. And I think it's absolutely, you know, Mel Tucker's going to that group saying, come, come to practice every day, put in your work and it's an open door. Whoever, you know, whoever impresses us the most gets the job. I think Dowell has the advantage just because he has the experience, but it's not his job. Um, The other side, Jordan Reed, um, this one's it, it kind of stings. I mean, we talked about the fact that we do, and we will talk about in a second, uh, we do have experienced offensive linemen coming back, but nobody had the consistency going into last season that, that Jordan Reed was bringing back. You mentioned he started 26 straight games in a couple of seasons that we had a lot of attrition and a lot of injuries at the offensive line positions. So while he wasn't an all big 10 type offensive lineman, he did play a lot and, the offensive line is an area that you need guys you're confident in who can rotate in and out. They're playing a lot of the game. They get tired and and you want experienced guys you can rely on. So I don't know if he would have started this year. I probably would have leaned away from that given that he didn't play last year. Um, 
but it's still, it was a guy that we were hoping to have in there as a rotational tackle. Uh, we don't have as many options at tackle as I think we have on the inside. So it was a guy we were hoping to have on the roster. Who knows what kind of game shape he would have been in and maybe he fell out of shape and that contributed, contributed to this decision, but um, it stings a little bit. It's a bummer. Um, just a little bit of depth, but it will open the door for, for some of these younger guys to, you know, take a notch up in the, in the rotation. So um, none of them are insanely surprising. It definitely helps to add clarity. We can focus on kind of the gaps in the roster now and, uh, and take a look at who is coming back. Yeah. And Trey person was the way, like, if we're talking about who was surprising, I guess Trey person was the one that caught me off guard a little bit, but yeah, other than that, like you said, not, not incredibly surprising. And yeah, I, I don't think anybody that's going to make or break the 2021 season. I, I, I think with these guys, like you're not losing a game that you would have won had any of these guys come back, which I think is important. The guys who are coming back now is official are super seniors uh, the, the super team, the super seniors, whatever we want to label these guys, Matt Allen, the center, AJR Curie, left tackle, Drew Beasley, defensive end, Jacob Panishuk, defensive end, Matt Coughlin, the kicker, and Luke Campbell, the offensive lineman. I, I want to bring up Luke Campbell really quick because he's been such an interesting he's had a wild career at Michigan State. As a redshirt freshman, he was an honorable mention, all Big Ten started 12 games at right tackle, played really good football as a redshirt freshman. And then as in 2018, he, he missed some games due to injury. He played some left tackle. He played some left guard. He played some right guard. So he played every other position besides right tackle and obviously center, which just has a totally different set of skills. 2019, he comes back, but again, battles some injuries, only plays nine games. 2020 uh, was, was out the entire year because of the injury he suffered towards the end of the 2019 season. So he is back. He is somebody who has a lot of experience. I mean, he's started, what, 5, 14, 14, and 12 is 26 games, which is a lot. It's the same with Jordan Reed, right? And he's somebody who's been up and down in terms of his weight, in terms of his his uh, listed size, I guess. Like it's it's just a very interesting player. He's listed right now at 6'5, 285, which I still think is a bit light. I, I remember talking at it, talking about him this time last year because he was listed at like 280. I was like, man, you, you gotta get those numbers up if you're gonna play a defense or a, a big 10 offensive line. So that's going to be an interesting one. But uh, besides Luke Campbell, again, uh, you have the two defensive end, Beasley and Panashuk. You have Matt Allen, AGR Curie, Matt Coughlin, Scott. Um, who, who else stands out to you as a guy who's going to make a serious impact here or maybe a guy who just you think is irrelevant? I don't know. <laughs> None of these guys are irrelevant. I think it's, it's if, if you were to take the five guys who left – and the six guys who came back and you look at all 11 of them. And I told you to pick six that you want to bring back. I think those are all the guys that came back. I mean, we'll, we'll start with kicker, get it out of the way. Matt Coughlin consistent. Get it out of the way. The disrespect <laughs> on we'll my podcast, nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> kickers. Um, 
No, it's good to have a, a consistent kicker. Everybody loves him. He's got a beautiful mullet these days. So all the more reason to love him. He's got red hair, respect to the redheads like me. Um, happy to have him back. The three yeah, offensive you sound, linemen you sound thrilled. Let me tell you. <laughs> the three offensive linemen, AJR Curie, especially it's exciting to have him back. I think of the three, he's the, the guy who will be starting um, probably at left tackle. Uh, really important to have that back. And then you've got two defensive linemen and I'm going to group all five of those guys together. Everybody talks about how it starts in the trenches on both sides of the ball, having experienced players to, to kind of set the tone, even if they're not starting, but to just to set the tone in the position groups at practice at film study, just to show the younger guys how it's done, set an example for them. I mean, Matt Allen, we didn't know if he was coming back. Most of our, in fact, I think all of the projected depth charts we looked at did not have him starting. Um, maybe he will now. Maybe they were considering him gone. I don't know. But he, him and Campbell will probably be rotational offensive linemen. Um, and those are really strong rotational guys. We mentioned Matt, uh, Luke Campbell might be a little bit um, on the small side. But as a rotational guy, you can pick your matchups with him. Um, you can pick the personnel he's lining up against and then he can still be a contributor. So I think having five really experienced linemen coming back um, uh, from the physical side, from the mental side, from the technical side, it's a really great foundation to, to bridge the gap to the point where these Mel Tucker recruits, the Mel Tucker guys coming in, you know, have a consistency. They're not forced into pressure action year one. They, and we have guys we can rely on until, you know, those guys take the reins from them. I think it's really strong. Like I said, these are the six guys out of the 11 I would have chosen. Um, and, uh, and I think they're all going to contribute anywhere from moderately to really, really heavily this season. Now the rest of the spring roster released Scott, I think the best, the best way to approach this is the last I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so is to kind of speed round. We can kind of go back and forth, I think, because we, we kind of exchanged a couple texts, just kind of say, ah, what do you think about this? Once the, the thing came out, but I think there's a couple noteworthy things and we can kind of go back and forth of, of what stood out to me, what stood out to you. And I guess I'll start with that because the first thing I looked at, uh, and, and again, beating the dead horse, the quarterback competition, but you have two quarterbacks who play distinctly different styles of football. You have Peyton Thorne, the, the incumbent, if you will, who's more of the mobile guy, the game manager guy, um, somebody who can move the chains with his legs on third down. You can get him in some RPO kind of stuff, and, and he can at least threaten the defense a little bit that they'll have to pay attention to him. Then you have Anthony Rousseau, the, the bigger, more traditional pocket passer, a uh, little bit stronger arm can hit those throws to the sideline a little bit more effectively, but not really the threat running that Peyton Thorne is. And to, to tack onto that, you have Anthony Rousseau listed six foot four, 245 pounds compared to Peyton Thorne's six foot two, 215 pounds. So you got a couple inches and about 30 pounds of difference between these two guys. And the one thing that I, I kind of noted with that is, this, I think, is really going to give us a glimmer into what Mel Tucker, what Jay Johnson, what these guys are really looking for at the quarterback position. 
because you have two guys who I think as far as what I've seen are pretty similarly talented. I, I don't think that either one is significantly better or more talented than the other one, but again, they play a very different style of football. So whoever comes out of this quarterback competition to be the starter next year in week one, I think is going to tell us a little bit about what this staff values. Is it more of the bigger, stronger arm guy who can make all the throws to the sidelines, to the deep posts and, and all that? Or is it somebody who's going to threaten the defense with his legs a little bit more, uh, play more of a game manager style, maybe not take as many deep shots down the field, but be able to effectively nickel and dime you. And again, uh, use your legs as, as a way to attack the defense. So that was one of the things that stood out to me is not only we know the play style difference, but now that you have it on paper in front of you, a couple inches and 30 pounds, that's a huge difference when it comes to these two players. So that, that really stuck out to me. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And I, I assuming, I mean, you mentioned their, their play style is very different, but their, um, I would say just general ability is very similar from a, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Potential, you know. Yeah, like if, if you put these two guys into like an NCAA video game this year, right? Like their overall would would be like one or two points apart, maybe. It wouldn't be a big difference. Right. So I'm very interested to see it as well. It, let me ask you, Kevin, if if they really are, you know, equal overall talent and they can make similar well, different plays, but have a similar upside, which style would you prefer Michigan State take in a in a theoretical sense definitely Peyton Thorne because I think that's the way that football is going with the mobile quarterbacks with the ability to really threaten the defense you force the linebackers to not only pay attention to the slants and and the drags behind them but also what's the quarterback going to be doing? And you can do RPOs, you can do, uh, you know, run options. And, and I think there's a lot more you can do with that. But I think on this roster, on this 2020 roster, I think Anthony Rousseau with his arm is probably better suited because of some of the wide receiver talent that we have. Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed are both, deep threat type of guys. And I just don't think Peyton Thorne has the arm to really maximize that part of the game where I think Rousseau can. And that's not to say that those guys can't be great receivers with Peyton Thorne in the game. I just think that we would be limiting them just a little bit in the sense that those, those deep, deep shots that we can take those double moves, those corner routes aren't, as available with Peyton Thorne as I think they are probably with Anthony Rousseau. So in a vacuum on any given team, definitely prefer the Peyton Thorne type, but on this 2021 roster, I think Anthony Rousseau fits what we're trying to do a little bit more. You know, I, I hear that. I see it a little bit. I don't want to say differently. I mean, I, I definitely agree. College football is going towards mobile quarterbacks. It's been a trend for 10 plus years now. Um, and it's not going anywhere, but college football is not getting away from strong arms. I mean, you look at your Trevor Lawrence's, your Justin Fields, your Justin Herbert's like, these are all guys who make 50 plus yard throws with regularity. So 
you still have to have that aspect. I mean, if you can't hit the deep ball, the defense shrinks down to 20 yards and all of a sudden there's nothing there. So whereas Peyton Thorne might keep the linebackers on their toes, um, Anthony Rousseau is keeping the defensive backs, the safeties on their toes and, and watching over the top. So they both kind of bring a different dimension to challenging defenses. I think if I had to guess right now, and I could be very wrong on this, I think this coaching staff will like Anthony Rousseau more because he's a proven leader at the, his previous school, which I know is something that maybe implicitly Mel Tucker didn't like about Peyton Thorne last year. Um, and why he didn't take the reins earlier in the season from Rocky, just his general leadership abilities. Um, and from day one, everybody has said Mel Tucker loves physicality, big, strong yeah. players. I mean, he likes speed too, but I think size and strength are his the first things he looks for. And Anthony Rowe has Anthony Rousseau, excuse me, has those two things over Peyton Thorne. Yeah, Obviously, they still. And I think like we can all get our opinions on it of who we think is better. But at the end of the day, the staff went out and got him, I think, for a reason. So I yeah. think actions speak louder than words. And when you have Peyton Thorne waiting in the wings, the, the one-year rental type transfer quarterbacks, they're not going to go somewhere, especially like him, who I, th- I think would have had opportunities elsewhere they're not going to go somewhere to go for one year to sit on the bench. And I'm not saying that, that the staff like promised him a starting job, but I think at the very least they promised him an opportunity. Yep. So keeping in line with transfers, I'm going to move us over to defensive ends here because a couple things stuck out to me on the defensive ends. First being kind of an interesting note here, Brandon Wright, who last year was a, I think a true fresh, no, he was a redshirt freshman. Um, actually, no, true sophomore running back. Didn't get many carries. I didn't realize this, but apparently he had worked out a little bit with the defensive ends last season. And now apparently he is listed. Well, not apparently he is listed as a defensive end full-time. They've been talking about how he brings a lot of speed to the pass rush. So if he can build a couple go-to moves, he could be a potential third down stand-up defensive end guy to keep an eye out for uh just a quick note there but the one that really stuck out to me right at the top of the well, second line on the roster drew jordan the transfer coming in from duke this caught kevin and i both off guard we were talking about this before we got on here he is listed at 285 pounds as a defensive end that is 20 pounds heavier than our second heaviest defensive end in diari todd so i I don't know where I picked up this notion had in my head that he was more of a, of a pass rushing threat than like a possession run stopper. But apparently I was dead wrong. He's more well, of a the, run stopper. The stats and just a, say pass rusher. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't know what kind of role he'll play if he has a specific role or if he'll just be a do it all defensive end, but that's an enormous defensive end. I, I can't remember the last guy that had size like that at Michigan state at that position. Yeah. Shalik Calhoun was a big dude, but he definitely wasn't 285. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, William Golston, probably the last one I can remember. I don't know what he would have been listed at in college. I know he's huge now. I don't think he was quite that. I would guess probably around 260. Like Shalik Calhoun is listed now at 260 pounds. In right. the NFL. Okay. Yeah, William Golston, I know, is is 
bigger now than he was at school as far as just his he's frame, listed but... at 281 so a couple pounds right. actually lighter and granted actually you know we should have put the caveat when we started talking about all of this that this is school reported right yeah roster sizes so <laughs> it's a good point we we don't have anything to compare it against other than previous spring rosters or previous rosters which we can only assume are equally inflated so other than probably... Shakur Brown getting listed on the pro day at like five nine and a half <laughs> yeah I think he was listed at six foot all year last year so yeah. um t- that puts it in perspective a little bit so and then, they could and... have 10 even 15 pounds extra on these numbers but um yeah and and every school does this just to be clear like this this isn't a Michigan State thing every school is is adding the, the general rule is you add an inch and 10 pounds. Like that's kind of the, the general, like when you go to the NFL combines, the senior bowl type stuff, and you see what they were listed versus what they actually are generally. Yeah. About an inch and 10 pounds, depending on the position, but yeah, that, I mean, speaking of that, the other thing I, I, one thing I noted was the defensive tackles. I kind of call them the big three. You have Jacob Slade, Deshaun Mallory, and Jalen Hunt, the three defensive tackles who I think are all going to get significant snaps this year and probably be the only real significant snap getters. Uh, Of course, other guys will get reps, but I think these are going to be the primary three guys. Jacob Slade, 6'4", 3'10". Deshaun Mallory, 6'2", 300". Jalen Hunt, 6'4", 320". So you've got that beef in the size that we know we're looking for. Um, Deshaun Mallory being the lightest of the three at 300. Again, that probably means 290, but that's okay. Um, a supple, two, right? A supple 300, right? And six two. So while the other two guys are six four, um, he doesn't quite have as much room on that frame. But yeah, you you have that beef in the middle that we've had for ages. You know, you go all the way back. We we've always had big run stuffers in the middle. I think this year is definitely going to be no exception. So that was one thing I kind of pointed out was those three guys who are going to get a ton of snaps. They're all definitely have the size. Do they have the conditioning? Is the question. Jacob Slade started all the games last year. Mallory and Hunt have been in rotational roles for really only a year now. So how are they going to hold up to a bunch of extra snaps? I think is going to be interesting, but the size, the strength, the explosiveness, we've seen those in spades from those guys. Now it's just a matter of getting it consistent. Yep. And uh, just rolling through on size. Cause that's pretty much all we got to go off of on this roster, other than who's in and who's out a um, couple of freshman notes. Yep. Cam Allen comes in at 6'4, 220. So he'll probably want to put a little bit on that frame. Trenton Gillison, his main competition, has 20 pounds on him. Um, and I know Cam Allen was was billed as more of a wide receiver hybrid tight end type guy, but uh will probably still want to beef up a little bit for Big Ten play. Ethan Boyd, uh, the offensive lineman coming from East Lansing High School came onto campus six, seven, which we knew 315 pounds when he arrived on campus in the spring. So he's essentially a senior in high school yep. weighing in at 315 pounds. So really excited to see him on the field in the spring game, see what he's got. I think depending on obviously where his technical um, progress is, he's a guy who could see the field as a true freshman. Um, really excited to see if he can, if he can make an impact. Yeah, I I've seen pictures, um, shirtless pictures of Ethan Boy. That sounds really weird to say. Now that I just put that out into the universe, <laughs> um, 
that's the 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 world we live in covering football i guess but um he i think the 315 it, it i'm not saying it's a bad 315 but i'm also not saying it's a big 10 315 i think there's a little bit of baby fat on there uh so i i don't like the size numbers like you said it's it's absolutely phenomenal and it's it's exactly what you would love to see fits exactly what mel tucker has preached he wants size he wants athleticism and all of that um, but yeah, I, I would still be shocked if he saw the field as a true freshman. I think there's a big difference between like we just mentioned with those other guys, like there's a big difference between an Ethan Boyd 315 and a Jacob Slade 310. I think if you put those two like bull in the ring, Jacob Slade would own him, <laughs> but <laughs> he's probably got a ways to go working on his body. But again, like you said, he's a senior in high school. The kid's 18 years old, like that. He's got plenty of time for that. So just coming in with that frame, I, I think would have any offensive line coach like salivating at what you could do with a guy like that. So yeah, the other freshmen, since, since you hit on those two guys, Michael Gravely, six foot two ten as a safety about that, that general size profile you generally see there and hemp Fay six, five two fifteen. I know he was big, but six, five. Taller than Rousseau, I think, according yeah. to this. By Listed an inch, an inch so. higher on the roster. So, yeah. And we know he's got a good arm, and that obviously uh, it plays to it. But he's also supposed to be a mobile guy. And at 6'5, that's a heck of a frame he, to be. He a played some guy. wide receiver at, in high school. So, anyone who's 6'5 played wide receiver in high school, uh, <laughs> except for the quarterbacks, <laughs> generally. True. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he ended up missing a season with injury. You know, I don't want to take us down that road, but. Um, yeah, no, surprising six, five, definitely exciting to see, um, keep an eye on the quarterbacks. I think we're pretty safe in saying it's a two horse race at this point, but Theo day's been in the program for a while. He's got good size. Maybe he had a great off season. Hamp Faye, Kevin, stop shaking your head. I'm just <laughs> trying to play devil's advocate here. Hamp, you never know for the, for the people, the nonverbal cues. Yeah. I was shaking my head at that. Cause Theo day has been the guy every spring for three years now, but I'm not saying he's the guy I'm saying he's, he is a horse in the race with terrible odds, but you could bet on him if you wanted to, if you were so inclined. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. There's always a couple surprises in spring football. I don't think we'll have one at quarterback, but just playing devil's advocate, showing all sides here, it's possible. Right, well, uh, I think that's a good place to leave us off. I got a Creighton first half money line uh, that I need to follow here. So, everybody, I really hope you enjoy this episode. We finally have some football to talk about. Like I said, go over to standingroomspartans.com at some point in this week. I can't promise that it'll be out at the same time as the episode, but I plan on sitting down and writing something here tonight. Um, we'll, we'll have something up there. Follow on Twitter at standingroommsu, on Instagram at standingroomspartans. You can follow Scott at spartanmartin18. And like we said, it, we're planning on doing a mailbag, at least a long mailbag segment next week with all the spring game, spring football related questions that you guys have. Um, so if you do have social media, you can hit us up on any of those platforms. You can send us an email at standingroomspartans at gmail.com. Uh, or you can always leave one in the Apple review 
uh, section. So if you go down there, leave a review, I would prefer a five star, but Hey, I, I also mm-hmm. appreciate honesty. Um, that is not to go say, leave a one star review for a joke because that actually is not good for us, but um, yeah, leave a five star review if you enjoy the show. But when you do leave a leave a review, you can ask a question on there. Um, I always I always get a little notification when there's a new review, so I'll definitely see it. However, you want to get us those questions, make sure you do. We're going to have some fun with that next week. So, until then, have yourselves a great week. Have yourselves a phenomenal Monday. Uh, and as uh, until next time, go green, go white, and take care, folks.